The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. Out of number six. You don't get no better than that, man. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to week one of actual college football play. This is the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. With me, as always, is the uh, quarterback personal stylist for the Missouri Tigers, Colin Anthony. Thanks for, thanks for having me. And not with us, unfortunately, today is uh, Brian Goers, who's come down, I guess, with a ferocious case of the crabs. Yes. Which yes, is, he has. Which is unusual, but uh, I hope Brian recovers from that soon. Yeah, he sent me a picture with dime for scale, mm-hmm. and they were big. Yeah, <laughs> is that right? Well, that's unfortunate. Um, but I hope Brian was able to watch the game today because Missouri actually played football. Yes, they so, did. So uh, that's unusual. Uh, we've been recording for months and months and months, and there has been no football. And now we have a game. Missouri played the Southeast Missouri State Red Hawks. And so uh, we came away with a win. Yes, um, to the surprise of no one. Um, <laughs> That's exactly right. But the, the Red Hawks were, I mean, make no mistake, Masu controlled the game from the beginning to end, but the Red Hawks put up a decent fight at times. I thought their defense particularly at times played well, I thought. Anything uh, the Red Hawks did well, I looked at as a major, major detriment to the Tiger squad because – the assumption is they're going to win 100 to nothing. Well, I, I think um, if one thing I noticed at least early on in the game is that the Red Hawks were very aggressive on defense, almost, you know, that they tackled people into the ground. Um, I felt like uh, when Hansborough got uh, hit uh, going out of bounds, that, that guy really almost looked like he was trying to roll up on him a little bit, not necessarily mm-hmm. trying to injure him, but just, you know, they were really trying to finish plays. I think probably well, amped up to play a big team, wanted to like, hey, we're the little guy maybe, but we're going to give you all you want today. There was certainly a pass rusher who wanted to complete the play well after the whistle had blown. Yeah, there was a guy that uh, hit Matty Mock right in the cocksucker. <laughs> I mean, he hit him good. And yeah. well, I like got two count after the ball was released. It too. was one of those things where it's just like you're glad that Matty Mock doesn't have a functioning brain because it really <laughs> could, <laughs> yeah, could have been bad. Could have been really bad. The um, I don't think anybody in the entire country knows what targeting exactly is, mm-hmm. but um, that's it. Yes. You know what I mean? If it, Let's just go ahead and put that up on a that bulletin was a, board and yeah. say, "Don't do this." That was a visual representation of what targeting is. It was really interesting because you see those plays called sometimes, and you're like, "I what?" Yeah. And that one, you see the whistle blown, and then you get like a full two count. Yeah, it was Shane Ray esque. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of Shane Ray against Alabama. But uh, and then he went right for the helmet with his helmet. Yeah, I mean, to think well, probably not going to probably not going to be legal. No, it's it's really surprising that I mean, you have to know at this point, you're you, you can't even come close to getting away with that. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, it, sometimes it's not even really what looks to be anything malicious, and you get called for targeting. Right. So when you base, in essence, headbutt someone, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that'll get called. Yeah, and uh, so Missouri had a win uh, against a heavily uh, underdog opponent, but uh, the the offense I wanted to talk about a little bit um, as we went into this because the you know Matty Malk looked okay. He made a lot. He made a lot of the similar types of dumb mistakes. He threw the, some hail mary pass for no reason. Uh, had a couple interceptions. I'm hoping that in an SEC contest he wouldn't have chucked that up there like that. He just going off. Oh, fuck it. It's Semo. Yeah, he's thinking that his receivers are going to overpower the mm-hmm. cornerbacks from this undersized team, maybe. But either way, it was a bullshit throw. And uh, but excusable other- for a junior who has started as many games as he has, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Right. I mean, that's the one thing you hope to see out of Matty Mock right now. It's like, oh, he looks a lot more uh, mature and he's making smarter decisions. He did not. Well, I think. I mean, that's what everybody is is hoping for. And gosh, it's really early on to just cash your chips in on Matty Mock, but. You know, you'd feel like an, against an inferior opponent like this that maybe he would be able to stick to some of the things I'm sure the coaches have been on him about, like, you know, stay in the pocket, don't get antsy, don't turn your back to the line of scrimmage, don't, you know, throw off your back foot, chucking it down the middle of the field. I'm sure the coaches have noticed those behaviors. But in, in Matty Mock's defense against SEMO, uh, they were applying a lot of pressure to Matty Mock at times because uh, mm-hmm. if there was a a downside to this game, which I should, we should mention we won 34-3, to um, the offensive line did not look good for big portions of this game. In fact, they looked bad. That was my big complaint about the Tigers. Uh, if one team, one area of play looked rusty and looked like it needed significant work, it was the offensive line. And the one good thing about an offensive line is that they play together as a unit. They should solidify a little bit, but it was it's disconcerting to uh, you feel like just on pure size and talent against a, a team like this, they ought to be able to pretty well have their way. The running game never got going. Um, we should mention Hansborough very early on. A guy rolled up on his ankle, Turned going out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan, that's another thing about the offensive line. We should mention that Evan Bain was also turn, – he turned an yeah, ankle. He left early. Um, and uh, Which didn't help him at all. No, They no, shuffled no. all the positions no, to no, unnatural no, yeah. positions. That's probably uh, makes it somewhat forgivable. But then you know what? The Connor McGoverns of the world, the Bragman Nolte's, they need to not be bad at football as much as they are. Yeah. That's my analysis for that. Well, and I think, you know, Hansborough had one really good run, um, and Evan Bain was in at that time. And then he was hurt, and he came back for one, two, maybe more carries, and then they got him out of the game because I'm sure they just thought, what's the point? What's the point of him running around on a bum ankle against SEMO? But, um, you know, Ish Witter, really the that Hunt kid who inexplicably got on the field a little bit uh mm-hmm. a white running back which you don't see very often he uh he actually to me looked as uh proficient at running the balls any of them you know what i mean i was really I happy even heard of him <laughs> i was really he's like third or fourth fourth i think in the depth chart morgan stewart uh though i was really glad to see him out on the field mm-hmm. after that and he he got a few things going a little bit in the second half uh but nothing Witter is the disappointment as far yeah. as the running game as far as i'm concerned i mean the, the the reports out of camp were that he just couldn't get off the line of scrimmage and that's exactly what we saw in the game his first touch uh he went down yeah uh, repeatedly and and wasn't expecting the running game to be as as slow and soft as as it was, but then again, I wasn't expecting Evan Bame to go down in the first. Well, quarter. and you know, Hansborough, you you feel like is going to improve that a great deal, but 
Um, they did get Ish looked a little better in a couple of plays where they got him outside and got him in space. But as far as running between the tackles, uh, picking out holes, uh, being a patient runner, looking for that seam, he is boy. He didn't see you didn't see any of that in his game. Mm. Um, it was you know, I, but you know what? I didn't see anything. In that. We didn't play much last season, but I didn't see any of that in his game last year either. And they they threw in Abington. Um, mm-hmm. late, really later on in the game, and it, it kind of surprised me that maybe he didn't get a few more shots earlier on too, just uh, looking for somebody to you know, ignite some sort of running game. Um, he really fell down the depth chart in fall camp, which surprised me. I expected. I, for some reason, I thought Abington might be. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The number two rusher after Hansborough, mm-hmm. but yeah. there was no indication that that's going to be the case. He certainly didn't impress anybody, and if he couldn't impress You're somebody over Ish Witter, yeah. then that's not saying much. You think a JUCO kid is going to have some maturity and some size? Yeah, they said on the broadcast like he was ranked. He was like the fourth ranked running back coming out of the JUCO ranks. You know, of all the running backs in the JUCOs that were looking for to to catch on with a D one team, and uh, boy, he didn't show us anything today. Of course, he didn't get very many opportunities, which. Again, doesn't say much because they were putting in Hunt and uh, Morgan Stewart in before he ever got to see the field. And I don't think he saw the field until the fourth quarter. Well, I'll be honest. The offense looked like it was an extension of fall camp. They were trying things out as much as anything. Yeah. And by necessity, I mean, when when you have your leading rusher going down with a sprained ankle and when you have your your all-American candidate center also hurt with an ankle, you got to do some shuffling around, and, and maybe ultimately it'll be good for the Tigers. Um, you know, they, they weren't – house on fire i mean no uh, it's you know from the beginning of the game you thought maybe something good was going to happen just because they seem to be passing at will right to uh, play action calls they seem like mm -hmm. nate brown had his cornerback completely outmanned and they're just gonna fake the run toss it downfield and see if nate brown could come up with something big yeah they um they look good but i i tell you what i saw that lacked him a little bit and has lacked for a couple years and i don't know if it's an extension of maddie mock or just the offense we run but very little intermediate passing. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we're either we're either throwing like a wide receiver screen, or we're throwing the ball laterally, 
I know I was really looking or for some, going all the way down the field. I was looking for some uh, Sean Colkin drops early, and I didn't get my fill on those. Well, he did catch uh, one ball over the middle, and you know, he got a nice touchdown pass. It was called back because he stepped out of bounds. <sighs> I, does that guy do anything but disappoint us? I mean, whether it's, it's <laughs> dropping a ball, he steps out of bounds and voids a touchdown. He, I am, I have a hard time. With Sean Colkin, I mean, if all the I want to know what team, Jason I mean, Reese is up to. If if, if well, he's if been he injured. He was a yeah, game time decision. That's true. That's true. But I'm like, God, why can't I? Why can't he climb above Sean Colkin in mm-hmm. the depth chart? And then people kept saying, Well, we'll see a lot of them both. But I've never seen a two tight end set in well, the last two years from the and um, Mock had a Hansen's touchdown offense. pass knocked down that was thrown to Colkin early in the game, mm-hmm. and it was a good play by the defensive back. But at the same time, I'm like, why is that? Why is this giant tight end not really kind of blocking out a little bit right. on that play? You know, and maybe he, maybe that's I'm expecting too much. But I was I looked at that play and I thought, Colkin was backing up and almost like uh, seceded that that position to the defensive back. You know, he doesn't take up as much space as he can. Yeah. I mean, for a guy of his size, like I said, he's just disappointing. I mean, yeah. and that, that's not me saying he's bad. He's just disappointing. I mean, he, he consistently disappoints me. <laughs> he reminds me. He is to tight ends what um, Blaine Gabbert was to quarterbacks. They just look like the beautiful, perfect. Yeah, they look the part. Mo- like sculpture of what a, a, that position player ought to be, but they never quite live up to it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, something else we should mention, Brendan, in the first half, mm-hmm. um, there was another quarterback that got to play other than Matty Mock. I don't know who you're talking about. Really? Mm. Um, his name's uh, Drew Locke. Oh, my gosh. Are we going to talk about it? Let's do that. What Will the talk be, what temperature would you say is going to be? Piping hot. Hot Lock Mock Talk. Oh, yes, the talk is hot. And Drew Locke was as well. So, uh, Mock had his typical mediocre day, which I think we'll see throughout the season, but uh, Drew Locke looked good. Well, um, and I'm sure this is just the fan in me. Maybe I, I'm, I'm waiting for um, other people, other outlets to, uh, to back me up on this, mm-hmm. and it's not just in my head, but he looks like the more experienced quarterback when he's on the field. He, he looks, looks more like poised. The veteran. Yeah, he, he, feels, he looks more poised. He one thing I, I feel like I see is field vision. Mm-hmm. Like you know, where Mock gets flustered, if it's something doesn't, if a read doesn't come open in the first two seconds after the snap, he is just, he's just a, you know, a Tasmanian devil spinning in circles. Uh, you know, um, Drew Locke just look, he kind of just moves his feet a little bit, just peppers mm-hmm. his feet, looks around, Seems looks downfield. Yeah. There. I mean, just, and then it just, with a flick of the wrist, the, you can just see the ball come out of his hands. I mean, and that I don't think is, fandom talking that is you know that was that's one of the things that everybody talks about drew lock is how fluid his motion is how quick the ball gets out of his hand i mean it's just a you can just tell he's another level of talent over maddie mock and you would and that's not i feel like that's not fan talk that's just the way it is he's a more talented football player well all during fall camp drew lock had better numbers than uh, maddie mock but of course maddie mock was playing with the first team against the first team defense but Today, it was a live game, and so every play was against a real live opponent, and uh, Matty Mock's numbers where he was uh, 12 for 22 attempts, 181 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. It could have been two interceptions as well. Easily. Um, but uh, And I'll mention that he played easily three-quarters of the game. Uh, Drew Locke, who saw much fewer minutes, was 6 for 10, 138 yards with a touchdown. Now, 
that should be it should be noted that seventy eight of those yards came on one lofty pass to Tyler Hunt for the uh, for the late touchdown. And which, Tyler Hunt was wide open. But I'll say this: imagine fans that that's Matt Matty Mock during that play. Would he held on to the ball that long? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Would he have found right. that guy? Would he have taken off and scrambled probably? You know, I feel like uh, the only reason that touchdown happened is because Drew Locke is a more patient uh, pocket passer. Now that's going to cost you some more sacks, and Drew Locke did take a sack today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, It was a smart sack, I thought. I mean, he, he, he tucked and tucked and ate it. So yeah. he didn't roll off his back foot and chuck it up the middle of the field? Or run backwards for 15 yards and take a long <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we had a uh, those were our passing numbers. We had a lot of running backs show up, as as Colin mentioned earlier. Uh, Ish Witter got the the bulk of the carries, thirteen carries, only thirty three yards produced. So he's averaging two and a half yards a carry. That's not going to cut it. Uh, Hansborough only had two attempts, uh, one of which was his twenty yard gain, which he turned his ankle on. So he averaged eleven and a half yards a carry, but it's not very indicative of anything since he didn't. You know what's kind of telling to me, and this could be. Nothing, but when Ma or Locke threw that touchdown, he come off the field and everybody's patting him on the butt. Everybody's talking to the, the offensive lineman. Evan Bain was the first guy to meet him. Everybody seemed he seems very popular. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's uh, um, which may not sound very important, but it is. You want your star to be well liked, and boy, everybody was really happy for that kid. And I think it's just indicative of everybody sees what's going on here. Yeah, it's like everybody wants to be friends with the big man on campus, and it's easy to see that very quickly this guy's going to become the big man on campus. And I'm predicting that um, you're going to see him a lot more locks sooner rather than later. I really feel like there's they would not. I feel like Gary Pinkle would not be burning his red shirt if the intention was that this guy is taking over some point this year. And I know you are skeptical about that, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I feel like why burn his red shirt? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what the plan is, but I would, I, I, um, I was going to say one thing that that transpired with the passing game. Since the rushing game was surprisingly weak, uh, ten guys caught passes today. Mm-hmm. Ten in two, both tight ends had a pass. Uh, Jason Reese did come in for a reception, a short one, uh, but ten, he also had a drop. Yeah, indeed, ten receivers caught a caught a pass, and so they really spread it out. Those young receivers are going to get a chance to uh, show what they can do. And uh, Jamon Moore and Nate Brown, I think, are going to be leading that mm-hmm. charge. Yeah, it's uh, just watching the watching the game, I'm, if a dum-dum like me and you can see it, where he, mm-hmm. like I said, the guy looks more poised, he looks like a better ball player, then you know, Gary Pinkle in his infinite football wisdom can see it. Right. Well, um, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, the, the, our early season schedule, which Paul Feinbaum called an embarrassment because they were such weak teams going in, mm-hmm. um, I'll take that embarrassment all day long because we need the preparatory games. What I don't understand, Brennan, is why for us to play them at the beginning of the season is an embarrassment and for them to be sprinkled in throughout the f- season for the other SEC teams is not. I mean, we're not playing any more cupcakes than anybody else. We're just playing them back to back to back. I, I don't know because he always he always talks about Alabama as being the um, standard bearer for like having a, a difficult schedule. They've got three really lousy, shitty cupcake teams. Yeah, they're just not back to back in the front of yeah, the season. Yeah, I mean, granted, they're playing Wisconsin tonight, which we'll give you a score update later on because I know this is a podcast and the game will be ended by the time you listen to it. So this will be very important. But but you're right. I mean, three shitty teams. Alabama does the same thing Missouri does. We front load the schedule. So what, Paul Feinbaum? Go fuck yourself. Everybody does that. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I'm sorry. Not everybody plays them at the beginning of the of the season, but 
everybody has three cupcakes. You know what I mean? Everybody's got that. It's not an embarrassment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And after we saw what BYU did to Nebraska, I don't oh. know how much of a cupcake that is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like that's uh, for those that don't know that uh, Nebraska was upset by BYU, a team on uh, Missouri's schedule. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, if anything, I think that might be a good thing. It's something Gary Pinkle can go in the locker room that week and be like, hey, listen, these guys beat Nebraska. Do not fall asleep on BYU. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, while Arkansas State may not be uh, a world beater, we do have to go on the road to play them. Sure. And it's never easy to play a team and on their home field. So uh, I don't feel like we have anything to apologize for, but it will only help us to uh, get ready for SEC play. Well, Brennan, we've talked about uh, Mock Lock, and we've talked mm-hmm. about the receivers, but we haven't talked about it as the defense. And if there was a... Uh, shining star today it was the defense i think they only gained like t- the red hawks only gained like 24 yards total in the second half um they didn't have a great offensive game anyway harris looked like the heir apparent to uh shane ray uh marcus golden mm-hmm. uh josh augusta played well terrell terry beckner jr looked pretty good mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh again this is against inferior opponents but uh, the back, uh, the back seven looked great. Um, Brothers was all over the field. Kenya Dennis had a great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a couple pass breakups. Had a sack. Um, Arian Penton had a great game. You know, had a, scored a touchdown on a pooch mm-hmm. punch, which made no fucking sense whatsoever. I don't know what Coach Tuke was doing there. No, I was, was no need for that. that. You know what I said after that? Uh, yeah, got mm-hmm. excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and it couldn't have gone better for Missouri. The, uh, the kick was blocked, went right into our hands, and we just waltzed into the end zone. And with the uh, the offense disappearing for several series, that was uh, it was nice to have. We needed that. <laughs> it was a series of punts back and forth to each other for a while, which when you're playing a team like SEMO, you hope to do a little better than that. I blame offense. play calling a little bit, but I don't, I'm not mad about it because I feel like the play calling was um, – deliberate. I mean, mm-hmm. like we're gonna we need to get this running game going, we need to figure this out. And they just they kinda kept running the ball and then they they try to pass to get uh, get first downs, but um, they the Tigers needed to do better on first and second down, making yards or a lot of third and longs and uh, I, but I like I said I think the play calling is very deliberate. I don't think um, you know once you're once you're up by over twenty points and you're playing SEMO, I feel like again that's like a preseason game. They were working on stuff a lot of times. Right. And I'll say this about uh, you know Early on, we've watched a lot of uh, week one games now. Some teams come out of the gate, and they just look like they're clicking on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Missouri has never been one of those teams. We always look like we got kinks to work out starting in week one, and this is, was no exception. And, uh, you know, there's good, there's bad. I mean, I think Coach Pinkle said it's best. Um, you know, I think there were some good things, and there were some things we need to improve on. Yeah. Um, Articulate as always, mm-hmm. but but that's I think what sums up today, and uh, it sums up Missouri week one seasons, uh, week one games from seasons past. They sure. they're never clicking. I guess nobody ever is a hundred percent, but Missouri certainly. Well, I will say this: it was nice. Uh, this the second time Drew Locke came in. We had been through a series of punts. Drew Locke comes in. We score a seven eight yard touchdown, and I don't think that's a coincidence. No, um, and I have to tell you, my Twitter feed blew up. After mm-hmm. that happened, uh, after Drew Locke threw his first long bomb touchdown pass, it was as if the Golden Boy had cemented his name in Tiger lore history forever. Well, unlike other players, I've been told we're going to be great. I mean, he he looks it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he looks like a very good quarterback, and who knows? Maybe he'll wilt under SEC pressure, but. Um, I, I, to honest to God, I feel more comfortable after watching him play three series 
with him as the quarterback than do Matty Mock. And that's, I don't know if that's as much Drew Locke as it is Matty Mock. I mean, mm-hmm. I watched him play today. I watched the same player I've been watching for, for 15 starts. Right. They, exactly nothing right. has changed. Yeah. And uh, like it's I said, maybe in SEC play, he doesn't chuck that ball up off his back foot to, the, to, uh, to an interception. But um, he probably will because he does mm-hmm. and has. <laughs> there, there is the reality, I mean, the possibility that what is a – if you don't change as a player, if you don't mature – what is a great freshman could be a mediocre junior. Sure. And, um, you know, I've said on this show several times, and uh, I think Matty Mock's a rockhead. Mm -hmm. And I also think he's a decent quarterback. But um, that's what I think he is, is a decent quarterback. And I think Drew Locke might be a very good quarterback. And, boy, I mean, listen, nothing that happened on the field today has gone done anything to dissuade my opinion about what Drew Locke is going to be and what Matty Mock is. Mm -hmm. So... Well, we got a lot to talk about uh, with the rest of this show. We got a lot of other SEC games. We've got, of course, Kansas news, and we got a preview for uh, Missouri's next week game when we head into Jonesboro, Arkansas. So we're going to take our first break, and then we're going to come back, and I think we'll uh, we'll lead right into some Kansas news. So until then, this is the Mazzotcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. More unsettling than Screech's sex tape, the Mazat Cast. Well, we're back, and uh, as promised, we've got some Kansas news for you this week, Colin. Are you excited about that? I'm always excited for Kansas news. Well, um, I'm excited because Kansas got a pretty good football team, and I think we're going to get to that later. But first, yeah, yeah. let's get to it. Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. So, yes, Kansas News indeed. Our first story is toilet display in Lucas, Kansas, in the running for nation's best bathroom. Kansas, I'll admit it, they don't have a lot of things to uh, hang their hat on and be proud of, but uh, this is something I think they can all, every citizen in Kansas can take a lot of pride in. I think they can hang their hat on the fact that they're a deranged and broken culture. (laughs) Fair enough, but uh, there's that. And then this one more thing. <laughs> All right. Which Don't is, forget the child rape Hall of Fame, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that, they're quite, quite proud of that. The, the, the broken civilization, the child rape Hall of Fame, and, and this. And this almost in the running for best bathroom nice. in the nation. So from the Wichita Eagle, if Kansans pull together a Russell County toilet, could claim the prize as America's best bathroom. Last month, the Grassroots Arts Center... Bowl Plaza in Lucas, Kansas, was selected as one of the finalists in the top 10 best bathrooms in the nation. The competition is sponsored by Sintas, a company that designs restrooms. 
in a contest where people it would be weird if it was sponsored by a company that designed cupcakes yeah <laughs> well if uh, you guys know anything about Kansas toilets, they're plumbed directly into the Kansas River, apparently. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. In a contest where people could vote for their favorite restroom in the U.S., the tiny Russell County town's only public restroom quickly rose to the top. So far, the Lucas Bowl Plaza, which is shaped like a giant toilet, uh, spot on, is second in the nation behind the Longwood Gardens in Philadelphia. So they're not the best at anything. But insiders will tell you the reason it's so popular is the glory hole and the stall. (laughs) It's got to help. The contest ends on Friday. Uh, Lucas, Kansas, which has 407 residents, is home to the Garden of Eden, which features a particular artwork of S.P. Dinsmore. He was a retired school teacher and Civil War veteran who sculpted 113 tons of concrete into various religious and political figures in his backyard. Hmm. So one of Kansas's original crazy people. Sure. Nice. Or as they call it, people. (laughs) In uh, 2008, the town residents banded together because they needed a public restroom. It took them four years to raise the money and design the facility in the shape of a toilet. And in 2012, they opened a monument making Lucas home of the largest, most bling-filled toilet in Kansas. So that's pretty imp- impressive stuff, Kansas. Uh, it's going to be hard to top that. Sure. I mean, why else would you raise funds in Kansas? It's not obviously not for education or no, public no. works. Healthcare, no. It's no. a blingy toilet. Sure. Public restroom. It's so, paying off now, Brennan. So who's the joke on? <laughs> the joke's right. on us. Indeed. Sperm donor blames Kansas governor for child support battle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Kansas governor's an easy enough guy to blame for most things. Yeah, he's a pretty likely target for whatever. Uh, Topeka, Kansas, it's probably one of the most bizarre Craigslist transactions uh, involving a lesbian couple desperate for a sperm, sperm donor and a Topeka man willing to help out. Little did William Murata know that an act of kindness would lead to a lengthy child support battle. Recently, the controversial case led to a court-ordered DNA test that revealed he was the father. Uh, Murata said, I'm the sperm donor, not the father. Murata added that if he had a nickel for every time he'd been a sperm donor in the past three years, he'd have enough money to pay off the amount of the state of Kansas wants in back child support. He'd have a shitload of nickels. I think what he's telling us is he jerks off into a cup a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it would be easy for me to just pay off the money and be done, he said. But that's not the point. It shouldn't have been done in the first place. It is wrong. The person he believes is responsible for the wrongdoing is Governor Sam Brownback. I believe he sat down with a group of people and said, okay, this is what I want to do. How do we accomplish that? I like the idea that Governor Brownback sits in a room in a meeting in the Topeka Capitol building talking about what he's going to do with the uh, masturbator who gives his sperm to lesbian couples. I don't necessarily doubt that that conversation takes place, but I say it's more likely happens in a booth at a Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) I think you're probably right. That's an accurate assessment. It all started when Murata donated his sperm to a lesbian couple in 2009 after seeing their Craigslist post. He said he decided to help the couple, and later that year, the couple had a little girl. Angie and Jennifer are the parents, he said. Well, they failed, but <laughs> go ahead. Okay. However, the state of Kansas won't accept that, despite the fact that the same-sex couple and Murata signed a contract giving up parental rights to the child. Angie at one point called the Department of Child Services and said, you shouldn't be asking this guy for child support. I'm the other parent. And they literally told her, this is none of your business, go away. Wow. At one point, he knew something was fishy. Why would the state want to take someone to court instead? 
of someone who is actually willing to pay. Well, I think Governor Brownback um, is just against sex in general and mm-hmm. anything that involves procreation, uh, any of that stuff. Is just it's it's uh, not not on not something he's happy about or, or uh, comfortable with. So he's <laughs> this is kind of what he does. I think he wears a chastity belt uh, whenever he passes. Unnecessary. Cut taxes. Yeah, no, it probably is unnecessary. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Woman was getting high on canned air at Kansas Walmart, police say. Sure. Olathe, Kansas, a woman faces charges for getting high while shopping at Walmart. Police say... You can get in trouble for that? We'll find out. Let's just say that. Uh, Police say Melissa Ann Wright was caught huffing a can of Ultra Duster at a Kansas area Walmart. Ultra Duster is an industrial strength duster chemical used to clean computers. Oh, you don't have to tell me what it is. (laughs) Inhaling the duster is extremely dangerous. And fun. (laughs) Said Tama Sawyer of the University of Kansas Poison Control. Once it enters the system, it can cause the heart to be super sensitive, things like adrenaline. So if you're frightened, you can have a heart attack. Hmm. Wright was arrested when other shoppers dialed 911 after spotting her huffing the duster in one of the aisles. Uh, she sustained injuries to the face after sustaining instant frostbite from the canned duster. Well, she should have known. You don't hold the can upside down because it's very cold when it comes right. out that way. you got to turn it the other way. Anyway, go ahead. You seem like you've got a lot of information. No, I've never heard of this. Hmm, interesting. But you just told me that you had I don't turned. know. I, I blacked out for a minute. Okay. I don't know what I just said. Okay. Please continue. Uh, I, I will. It seems like... Uh, right said she did refuse medical treatment. However, they can cause they can cause frostbite on contact. So you would have frostbite on the lips, throat, mouth, and even further down. Sawyer said she also now faces charges for abusing toxic vapors, which apparently is also a crime. That is that is a crime. Abusing toxic vapors. I would think having your entire face frostbitten off would be uh, enough punishment, but apparently. I- <laughs> I don't know. You go to a Kansas Walmart, you see a woman huffing fucking canned air. Yeah, I'd say, is it really all that out of the ordinary? No, no, I really didn't think that would make the news. No. But uh, so it does. So it does. Uh, What else we got? Kansas man Michael Rush accused of using dog on leash as a weapon. This is one of the Kansas safe. That's right. This is one of those stories where uh, we're surprised that the weapon is, in fact, not a handgun. But it's a dog. But in, in this case, it's a dog. Sometimes it's a knife, but here is, I'll repeat, a dog. A uh, Kansas man accused of using a dog as a weapon against a police has been charged with animal cruelty. Michael Rush, age 27, was stopped by an officer after Park City Police got a call that a man was kicking fences in the neighborhood on the outskirts of Wichita, which is a crime. After an altercation with the officer, Rush allegedly used his pooch's leash as a kind of tether and swung his Pekingese mix at the officer. <laughs> I did not expect this for this. That's the way this went. I figured he it was like, yeah, like a German shepherd or something. Pit bull. No, he's literally swinging the, a small like teacup dog at it, people. It does make it easier. To like a use, mace. Yeah, use the dog as a mace if it's, <laughs> if it's a manageable size. Uh, I've heard of people sicking a dog on other people, but I've never heard of anyone using a dog as a weapon like that, said Park City Police Chief Phil Boston. It's kind of strange. I think the officer was kind of in shock. Boston told NBC News that several officers were eventually able to taser Rush and take him into custody. He was charged with aggravated battery of a law officer, animal cruelty, resisting arrest, and being a pedestrian in the roadway under the influence of drugs and alcohol. He was under the influence of drugs and alcohol, Colin. Does that surprise you? I'm shocked. 
the dog was unharmed and is now in an animal shelter and is currently uh, due to be euthanized, I'm sure. Yeah. So happy. <laughs> no, that part, um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be killed or eaten. I would, I would assume eaten. That's the Kansas way. And then a lot of these stories, Colin, I'm not going to lie, they're kind of downers, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. using an animal as a weapon, somebody freezing her face off, uh, trying to get high in a Kansas Walmart. So I wanted to leave you with, uh, with an upbeat story. Something to brighten my day. Kansas man gets a tip of new teeth. I'm sorry, what? Kansas man's tip is new teeth. <laughs> okay. It was a tip that changed a waiter's life. By giving him a new smile, Brian Maximer of Wichita, Kansas, said his life has been brightened thanks to a generous patron who, after meeting him just once, forked over an estimated $25,000 for some much-needed dentures. Dentures cost twenty five thousand dollars. I think the permanent kind. Did he get? The, Not I was going to say, did he get the like a, uh, Mr. T starter kit style, or <laughs> I mean, with like, like diamonds in them, like Little Wayne type? Dentures, does it say? <laughs> it does not. Uh, see, it's so great. It's a huge weight off my shoulders, Maximer told the Daily News. I just have this new appreciation for my health. Maximer's employer, the Doodah Diner, posted a heartwarming picture that juxtaposed his new pearly whites with his previous smile, which was sullied by tooth decay. Mm. The customer Fred, and by tooth decay, I'm assuming means meth addiction. One has to assume. The customer, Fred Betcher, uh, saw Maximer's embarrassing condition while eating at the diner in January. I would have to say was disgusted. <laughs> he couldn't finish his meal. Disgusted at the point of buying him $25,000 teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and offered to help him on the spot. He had a lot of dental issues, and, uh, and he told me, I can do this, and I should do it. Maximer recalled, adding that the man also said his Christian faith was the root of his charity. Hmm. That's the way he looks at it. Uh, Maximer, forty-three, nice pat himself on the back like yes, that. Indeed. A forty-three-year-old single father said he, the family couldn't afford dental treatment. His teeth really began to deteriorate over the last half dozen years, and made him self-conscious about his appearance. Though it never affected his work, and he's been a server for the last twenty years. Well, it certainly hasn't promoted him. <laughs> no, um, that uh, that glass ceiling is uh, is real for weird method toothless folk. Uh, the owner of the diner said Maximer has always managed to please patrons with his gregarious personality. Uh, she and her husband hired Maximer in 2013 after they saw what a good job he did at a restaurant where he worked previously. The first thing we thought was, what an outstanding server. Yes, his teeth are offensive. <laughs> Does that say that? Yes, indeed. Oh, God. But the second time you meet him, you don't think about his teeth. He smiles so big with his eyes. He makes such a big impression. If you were at the diner today and wondered why some of the staff were walking around a little teary, it's because one of Brian's customers today gifted him with a complete dental makeover as a way to pay it forward for the many blessings he's received in life. Huh. Yeah, so uh, Shelby, Shelby said she has never gotten a customer complaint about Maximer, though she confessed to worrying whether someone would bring up the appearances of his teeth. That was her initial thought months back when Betcher approached her about helping Maximer. I'm wondering how quickly this investment will be destroyed by methamphetamines. Does it say... I wonder how does Satan. Do you know how long dentures hold up? To um, would be my first question is: uh, Will these bad boys take the meth better than my real teeth did? Because if if they do, watch out, meth labs I'm <laughs> coming it, at yeah. you. I've been holding back to this point. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my new my new indestructible teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, my thought about this whole situation is that great for that guy. It's a really nice move to pay for this guy's teeth. Now he has. Every other citizen in Kansas to take care of. Yep. Because they're all basically yeah, exactly. in the exact same condition. Really? No doubt. Yeah. So uh, the, the 
That, those are the last stories I had, but there was a, uh, a story I wanted to play for you, Colin. I don't know if you heard about this online, uh, but Kansas's football team, much like real football teams, uh, they started their season this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, an intrepid journalist went onto the campus and was asking some questions about uh, the KU football team. Primarily, can you name any players on this team? Hmm. Were you familiar with this? No, one? I was not. Well, I'm just going to play it for you, and you can take a word. For, you can just hear from the the horse's mouth, so to speak, about what Kansas students think of their team and uh, how informed they are about the art of college football. Okay, I have a couple questions for you. Can you name three football players? Um, no, I can't actually. So, can you name three KU football players? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know any. Okay, Devontae Wilson. Uh, I think I got one. No. Nailed it. I can't. I can't. This is bad. Yes, it is. Oh, this is bad. Okay, oh, you football yeah. players? Oh, no. Hmm. I'm going to be killed. I can name positions. I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> wide receivers? Yeah. Great uh, job. I'm pretty sure there's a running back, yeah? Yeah. This guy you kicks. Right there. Yeah, nailed it. Oh, I'm afraid for this to be on TV now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I definitely do. Oh, um, Jordan Ian's one, because he went to my high school. Jordan, Jordan Darling, he's one. And then the uh, Joseph Gibson. Do you know who the new KU football head coach is? Uh, no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Don't even know the coach's name. Nope. I don't know. It's David Beatty, by the way. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't know we had a new football coach. How many games did the football team win last year? Three? Two? Mm. Probably zero. Five. No, no, no. Five. They won five. I don't know. No, no. It was five. like it was a few. No. They won. A few is too many. I would give them six. <laughs> six? One. Good lord. That's maybe four. Nearly, they're bowl eligible. <laughs> I'd give them like two, maybe. <laughs> this is I so bad. I think one that they won. They won the first game last year. No. Seven, no. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Let's go with seven. Let's be seven. I was yeah. going to guess about like four. So if they had won seven, you might know some of their names. <laughs> Did they? Two, two, two. So that is uh, that's the depth and breadth of college football knowledge for Kansans. Britton, what happened in today's football game with Kansas? They won, didn't they? They were playing a... Uh, well, I would think they, they're playing the F- South Dakota State Jackrabbits. They have to have won, right? Well, um, I don't know. Let's look at... Let's pull up on the Google machine and let's just take a look. pull it up on the big board here, and it says... Oh, and you know what? It looks like they pulled off a big loss to South Dakota State, the powerhouse... 41 to 38. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie, Colin. I did watch the end of this game, and there was an interesting aspect of it. Um, Kansas, the most Kansas thing that's ever happened in Kansas to it, Kansas people, the, Kansas on the field today. The, the, no one's ever Kansas as hard as Kansas, Kansas today when they Kansas. <laughs> uh, Kansas was driving, trying to, uh, they needed a field goal to tie, to yep. take it in a, to overtime, or as the Kansas fans obviously call it, extra innings. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so they were, they were out of timeouts, so they needed to spike the ball. <laughs> and uh, they, they snapped the ball to the quarterback to spike it, and they muffed the, the snap. The ball fumbled onto the ground. They fumbled around for it, and the clock expired, and South Dakota State won to their, even their surprise. Yeah, yeah. Kansas, Kansas really Kansas it up today. Oh, my God. And this was the chance they had to win. Yeah, you, you could I mean, if you couldn't route a more backbreaking way to lose a football game, even the announcers were confused and, and disheveled. And if you wrote it in a movie, they'd tell you to 
give it a rewrite. It's not believable. <laughs> That's right. It's a little too far fetched. And really, to Kansas's credit, they were getting it, they were getting housed mm-hmm. for a big part of this game, and they made a comeback in the second half and made it a game. But for a big part of this game, the fact that they were even close is, is remarkable because they were really they were it was, it was like thirty one to fourteen or I don't even remember what the the yeah. score was at one point, but it was it was bad. We had to think, oh, well, they're a Big Ten, they're a Power Five school. Of course, they're going to come out and win this game, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're great, well, and that's like I said, team. the most of the, the prevailing wisdom is is that this was their chance to get a singular win this season. Well, they can. They're going to Memphis next week, so I'm sure that I'm sure that, that'll be a no. Memphis is coming to Lawrence, so I'm sure that'll be a big win because I'm yeah, sure I'm Memphis sure. is worse than yeah basketball South school. Dakota State. Small <laughs> basketball school, I have no chance. Yeah, so uh, good job, Kansas. Great job. Anyway, we're going to come back, and uh, we have a couple things we need to do. We need to cover the SEC. Obviously, there are mm-hmm. a lot of games going on, and uh, and then we're going to look into the Arkansas State game coming up. But a uh, little surprise ahead. We've got a we've got a guest, so to speak, that's so going to help us with SEC news. So, stay tuned for that, and we'll be back after the break. Biggest disaster in Colombia since the fifth down game. The Mazad cast. So we're back and uh, we're going to talk about the SEC. We're going to go around the horn with the SEC. But before we do, we've got a visitor with us here. And it's not our typical guest. No. Uh, Colin, we want to tell us a little bit about uh, what, what we're sitting in front of right now. <laughs> well, Brennan. For those that know me, I'm a I'm kind of a handy guy. You're a tinkerer. Uh, I'm a tinker. That's right. I, I like to take apart VCRs and clocks and things mm-hmm. of that nature, and just see what I can come up with. And sure, uh, the college football season this season had it was I was You're really really excited and inspired. I, yeah, inspired. And so, um, for those of us who watch the SEC Network, we're all very familiar with a, a gentleman named Paul Feinbaum. Now, me and Brendan have tried on many occasions to get Paul to join us here on the show. but We'd love to have Paul. Paul doesn't even want to return our call. So that gave he doesn't me, even like Missouri, frankly. No, no. He, he gave me some inspiration. So I, I worked really hard on something, and uh, I have created uh, a robot. Yeah, indeed. And it looks exactly like Paul. Just a little shinier metal. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a robot, but it's mm-hmm. got Paul Feinbaum's face. Um, we call him Feinball. <laughs> Sorry. Paul Feinbot. Paul Feinbot. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> named it. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm pretty proud of it. So we're yeah. going to let Paul Feinbot uh, sit in with us on the S- our little SEC Around the Horn section. The thing about Paul Feinbot is he answers questions exactly as the real Paul Feinbot. I should, should have mentioned that. I programmed this robot to be Paul Feinbaum. I mean, mm-hmm. he is going to give us the exact answers that Paul Feinbaum himself, were he sitting here, mm-hmm. would give us. So, um, you want to give it a try, Brennan? Yeah, let's fire up the Feinbot. Ask uh, my Paul Feinbot a question. Well, f- first of all, let's let Paul Feinbot know what we're going to do around the horn with the SEC. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're, we're here with the robot, and let's, let's see. Let's, are, are you ready, Paul Feinbot? Let's get started. Oh, okay. <laughs> he is. It's great to have you with us, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. 
You're welcome. Uh, you know, with the Tigers won today, Paul, and I guess the obvious question is, uh, with the season started, do you think Missouri can can win this SEC East again? No. I told you. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah, it's exactly what Paul would have said. The real Paul would have said. I appreciate I it. I told you, but then I, I spent a great deal of time programming this this Paul Feinbaum, <laughs> just like great. the real Paul Feinbaum would. You, you've done a great job. <laughs> great job. And, uh, well, Colin, where do you want to start with the SEC teams? Because well, uh, they're not all over with, frankly. Let's start at the top uh, with uh, South Carolina because mm-hmm. they played uh, on Thursday, mm-hmm. September 3rd, against the uh, uh, neighboring state rival, mm-hmm. UNC. And uh, just barely, by the skin of their ass, uh, won this one. They did. Paul, did, did you think that, uh, that South Carolina could win this game? I don't know. That's not very decisive. Well, you can't win them all, Brendan. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, South Carolina, um, they did win the game, but they did not look that great, if you ask me. Guess no, for a big portion of this game, it looked like uh, they might lose. It, the uh, The first half, there was some scoring. Basically, UNC scored in the first quarter, had the seven-point lead. They scored uh, another couple field goals in the second half, had a, uh, had a lead, and then um, – Second half of the game, neither team could do anything. Yeah. And then late in the game, unfortunately, South Carolina cashed in on some uh, North Carolina mistakes and won the game, um, mm-hmm. saving Steve Spurrier's life. Yeah, and it was an important game for South Carolina because nobody quite knew what South Carolina was going to look like going into it. And uh, surely if they lost the Battle of the Carolinas, that would spell bad news uh, for uh, the uh, Gamecocks. But the other game going on that night, Thursday night, was Vanderbilt, who played mm-hmm. Western Kentucky. Uh, Paul, were you excited about that game? Did you think it was a good good matchup? In terms of great matchups in college football history, this will not qualify. <laughs> okay. True well, enough. True enough, Paul. You're always positive. I appreciate that. Yeah, and it was not a great matchup. You're actually right about that, Paul. Yet, Vanderbilt lost. Yes, they did. In fact, it, it, Vanderbilt had a three-point – it was just three to zero – at halftime, and then uh, Western Kentucky came out of the halftime and scored a touchdown in the third and fourth quarters and won the game 14-12. to 12. Mm, That's a brutal, brutal for Derek Mason's Vanderbilt squad. <sighs> it's amazing how far they have fallen off after you know having a pretty decent season a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what uh, losing James Franklin as a coach has done to them. I mean, it seems mm-hmm. like uh, they... I guess at this point you just have to decide that they've made the worst coaching decision ever to replace sure, Franklin. Sure, I, I could agree with that. So uh, we're recording this podcast. It's uh, Saturday night. The clock is ticking, but there's a lot of games that aren't fully decided yet. Well, let's go to some of the ones that are. Maybe give yeah, us well, a little gonna, bit more time. I was going to say one of the games that most decidedly is over is Old Miss versus uh, Tennessee Martin. Colin, Jesus you, Christ. You give us a score on that one. It was 76-3. to three. So, so UT Martin scored three points. Uh, Old Miss scored 27 in the first quarter, 14 in the second, 14 in the third, and another 21 in the fourth quarter. They thoroughly trounced UT Martin. And I don't know nothing about UT Martin, but even if UT Martin is terrible, I'd say this is bodes well for Old Miss. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I think going in, um, I don't know what Vegas had on that, but I have to think that Ole Miss covered the spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> I, I like that bet. Yeah, yeah thanks, me Paul. too, Paul. Yeah, good way to pet in there, robot Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think in a game like that, you basically you learn nothing. Right, I mean, well, like I said, if there is anything to be learned, is that the maybe the old Miss offense is pretty good. I mean, it 
even if, like, say, UT Martin's really bad, it's hard to score 76 points in a single game. Well, I think what I learned is that maybe Hugh Freeze isn't quite as Christian as he puts on. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I mean, for Christ's sake, just take a knee. Mm-hmm. When you're up by 50 at that point, say, just yeah, say 50, you're mm-hmm. just, it's just the Christian thing to do would maybe just start to be fumbling on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, Arkansas also played earlier. They played UTEP, and that mm-hmm. was not much of a game. No, nope, they trounced UTEP forty-eight to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Arkansas looked good. Their quarterback looked okay. Um, like I said, I think if there's any reason to fear Arkansas, you know, it's probably you know the running game, the big offensive line. But if they get their quarterback going, you know, that's not good for Missouri. But no. I'm I'm not ready to. To, to jump on the Arkansas bandwagon yet. I'm not either. Paul, do you think Missouri can beat Arkansas again this year? No. That's pretty straightforward. It is indeed. But, I mean, even even if Missouri has a great year and they're favored, you don't think there's any chance that Missouri could beat beat Arkansas? I don't care what the odds are. Yeah, I guess, like I said, it's it's exactly as Paul Feinbaum would answer it. It's like he's sitting right here in front of us. No, it's, it's, a, a, it's a, a man of metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other uh, finished up game? Oh yeah, let's go with Tennessee. Uh, they played Bowling Green today, and they won. They actually, it was a it was a close game going into the half, uh, but they pulled away fifty nine to thirty thirty against uh, Bowling Green. Yeah, they had six rushing touchdowns against Bowling Green. Um, no, <laughs> no, they actually did, Paul. Paul. Anyway, I'd say the 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 story that comes out of this for me a little bit is that. Um, Joshua Dobbs did not throw the ball all over the yard. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, I feel like if the coaching staff for Tennessee believed in Josh, or Joshua Dobbs as much as everyone claims they do, that maybe he would they'd get him a few more opportunities to sling the ball. Mm-hmm. But instead they ran. They ran the shit out of it. You're right about that. You bet your ass I am, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, who knows? Again, these early season games, i got to say, while I am excited for college football, and I did waste my entire day watching it, uh, you're just not going to learn a bunch against, against these teams, you know, these SEMO-style cupcake mm-hmm. teams, uh, which takes us to, well, let's go to Georgia. You did mention Georgia uh, played early game. Yes, they did. Against Louisiana Monroe. Yep. They won 15 to 14. 15, no. Sorry. You're right. Sorry, Paul. My apologies. 51 to 14 mm-hmm. behind a pair of Nick Chubb. Uh, running touchdowns. He looks good as always. I think Georgia is going to win the East. Good, great, Grant. Nobody asked you. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, Brendan and I programmed him very precisely. <laughs> you did indeed. So, um, but what I was going to say about uh, teams that didn't play cupcakes today, Alabama has been heralded as these heroes of the SEC for scheduling Wisconsin, a top Big Ten school. And uh, that game's going on right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it w- was close, but we're in the late into the third quarter now, and, and uh, Alabama's starting to pull away. It's currently 28-10, to 10, and I'm going to go ahead and call this one. Yeah, um, Wisconsin is a, is a good enough team, but, I mean, thinking about what Ohio State did to them at the end of the last season, just absolutely took them apart. It really uh, did. And, and uh, then... I can't imagine that the the team that Ohio State played in the Sugar Bowl was going to have you know that big a trouble with them. What do you think about this game, Paul? Nick Saban, Nick Saban, Nick Saban. Got it. Yeah, that's pretty Spot much on, your huh? standard Spot analysis on. when Alabama comes to play. Yeah, yeah, great job programming it because that's I feel like that's exactly what Paul Feinwald would say on his own broadcast about mm-hmm. this game. Nick Saban. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. 
So. Nick Saban. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Saban. Okay, calm down. Easy, Paul. Paul. I know Alabama stuff. Anytime we talk about Alabama, he's going to get a little rambunctious. Like sure, I said. yeah, it's his thing. It's been, it's been programmed Paul. to uh, to uh, to really to respond to, to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to acutely be aware of Paul's personality. And his Brennan, does it say there anything about the LSU game? The last time I checked, the game had been delayed, I'm assuming, for weather. Yeah, that reminds me of the Georgia game. There was a lightning delay a couple of times. Yeah, in fact, they ended the game early. Yeah, yeah, God just called a a mercy rule, (laughs) ten-run rule on them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, it's still nil-nil and delayed in the first quarter, so there's nothing going on here, and there likely won't be for this broadcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But we didn't talk about Florida. Or Auburn, for that matter. Mm -mm. Well, fuck them. Or A&M. Mississippi State versus Southern Mississippi. That game's early. Well, Florida beat uh, New Mexico State 54-13. to 13. Well, I should say they're beating them. They're still eight minutes to go in the yeah, fourth. Yeah. So I'm going to call it. Florida that looks improved? Mm-hmm. Question mark? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we talk about Texas A&M? It's one of the few good games going on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Texas A&M is playing Arizona State, who's ranked number 15, and some of the talking heads are talking about them as a dark horse candidate for their college playoffs. You know, they like to pump up the the – Pac-12 um, South as mm-hmm. a as a better division than the SEC West, even because the SEC haters want that to be the case. But uh, Texas A&M is showing uh, Arizona State a thing or two right now, thirty-one seventeen, with only two and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Yep, not good. So that'll shut down that bullshit about the Pac-12 West <laughs> yeah. South. Um, also, I should say um, Stanford got beat by Northwestern uh, yep. today. So. Yep. Uh, not a great start for the Pac-12. Well, I feel like that that Pac-12 talk is kind of like um, stereotypes. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it's you could say it all you want, but it, it's, the SEC is the best for a reason. It's mm-hmm. it, it only works because it's true. You can't create a stereotype. You can't say, for instance, that Asians are tremendous leapers, right? Because it just doesn't catch on. Because no one's ever seen. Yeah, that. nobody's ever said that or seen that or it's known that to be true. And it's the same with saying Pac-12 is as good as the SEC West. No one's ever seen that or believed that for a single moment. So you can't make it true. No, ever since Alabama lost to Ohio State, though, people have wanted the SEC to West to falter. And I know Paul takes that to heart. They yeah. really do feel disrespected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Exactly. That the uh, well, Ohio State is not any other team in that conference. I, I don't know. Having one really good team does not by by proxy, make the entire conference better. Do right. you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. You know, take the Big Twelve for instance. They've got a couple of good teams. That doesn't mean Kansas or Iowa State aren't complete hot, 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 hot garbage. Mm-hmm. Hot, hot garbage. <laughs> Who did Auburn play this weekend? Auburn played Louisville, of course. Yeah, that was an earlier game, and it was close. Um, actually, Auburn started out like a house on fire. It was half, seventeen to nothing at halftime, mm-hmm. and then uh, Louisville fought back a little bit, but they couldn't overcome the early deficit. And the final score was thirty-one twenty-four Auburn. Yeah, I saw this uh, these highlights because, um, of course, Will Muschamp was getting all the credit in the world for Auburn winning this game because <laughs> now their defense is unstoppable because it's manned by a guy who just got shit canned. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, for some reason that makes a difference. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's pretty much SEC around the horn. The problem with going into Jonesboro for the Tigers is I don't know anything about Arkansas State. Do you? No one does. Um, there's a few things we can say about um, Arkansas State. One is that their, cor- their coach is a second-year coach, 
Um, he Blake Anderson, uh, Arkansas State has a long history of firing their coaches after the first year or them leaving after having uh, success. So Blake Anderson coming around for two years makes him one of the longest tenured coaches in Arkansas <laughs> State history. Uh, they've got a returning quarterback named Freddie Knighton. And uh, other than that, I'm out of uh, information about Arkansas State. That's as much information as anybody wants to know about them, I'm pretty mm-hmm. certain. I Paul, think the real story to this game will be how much does Drew Locke play? <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, Paul, do you think Missouri is going to win? No. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. So, Paul, you are, you're, you're chalking up a Missouri loss next week to Arkansas State. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think put Paul on the record. Uh, we didn't have him last week, but he is predicting a Missouri loss. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate you being on the show this week. Thank you. I can bring him back as often as we want. He just sits okay. in the garage. Keep programming. Keep working on him because sometimes I know, like uh, you, you mentioned, that you can stump him occasionally and it sure. gets a little haywired. Yeah. I can you t- give us how do how does that work? Uh, let's see. What was a question that would com- probably fry his circuit board a motherboard or um paul uh how do you explain mizzou winning the sec east uh two consecutive years okay nick saban nick saban nick nick saban nick saban nick saban nick nick saban sorry that's oh yeah, did. That's, that's that's i'm gonna shut him down okay we shouldn't have done that yeah, okay. we shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that was a tough one for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was nice to have him. And then, um, you know, in the future, uh, we can keep having him call games. Well, I'll keep taking on him. Yeah, yeah, he's only going to get better. Yeah, I would hope. <laughs> can't get worse. No, no, he really can't. So uh, anyway, this is it. We've we're a week into college football, and Missouri is undefeated. Uh, Drew Rock is a glorious, glorious quarterback. One thing we didn't really get into, Colin, is uh, last year we had a very, very special award that mm-hmm. we we handed out to um, a player who really gave us, you know, above and beyond performance. Exemplified what it means to be Mizzou made. <laughs> That's right. Yes, um, it's known as the uh, Kirk Farmer's Hair player of the game. If you guys don't know who Kirk Farmer is, he was once a Mizzou quarterback in some of the darker times, but he did have an immaculate golden fleece on top of his head. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, now it's time for Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. And Brendan, I think we, uh, we talked for the show. We both kind of agreed on who we think the, the man who earned that award that's so worthy of Kirk Farmer's hair? Yeah, I think it, it goes without saying that it's a, on the defensive side of the ball, and the guy who had tackle after tackle after tackle, returning linebacker, uh, Kentrell Brothers. Yeah, he had 16 tackles. He was That's his own personal best. And, Brendan, he didn't play like the last two defensive series either. I mean, mm-hmm. he, the guy would have had probably 20-plus tackles had they left him in the game. Yeah, he was really all over the place, and he just looked faster and stronger than everybody else on the field well against a team like SEMO he probably was <laughs> that's exactly right and uh, he lived up to it so congratulations Kentrell Brothers you are the Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game for week one so uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited Colin we're we going, did it we're going into a road game next week uh, we're we're we're, like I said, undefeated, and uh, things are only going to get better from here. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, the big question for next week will be, you know, how well do we win? How well do we play? How does Matty Mock play? How does Drew Locke play? I mean, I feel like there's a scenario where, I mean, Mizzou's going to be favored in every single game up until Georgia, I feel like. So let's just say the odds makers are right. They'll be 6-0 going mm-hmm. to Georgia. And I still think that 
Matty Mock probably won't be the starting quarterback, which is kind of strange to say. You think a team that's 6-0 and is not going to need to change quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like Gary Pinkle is almost dooming himself to have to make this decision because I feel like the more Matt, or, uh, Drew Locke plays, the more minutes he gets, the more overwhelming the sentiment is going to be and the more uh, overwhelming it's going to be apparent that uh, Drew Locke is the superior quarterback. Mm. Uh so so exciting. Yes, it is. Well, it, it's going to add an interesting dynamic to this season. So um, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, things will turn out. We keep getting better. The young players will keep. Uh, I feel like a decision is going to be forced at some point because you don't want this hanging over the season. I mean, you want to be able to concentrate on football, not a quarterback controversy. I don't feel like there is a decision to be made at this point. Uh, Pinkle is going to start mock until his hand is forced, and next year that's going to be different. But this year. Well, as I long hope as you're Mark wrong. Is playing, and as long as he's not throwing bullshit interceptions, like you well, did today. No, there, there's your open door, Brennan. There's <laughs> your open door. But all I care about is Tiger wins. Ultimately, uh, I'm going to support whoever's starting a quarterback. But, sure, I'm uh, a Money Mock supporter until he is no longer the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But until then, good job, Mock. But bring on Locke. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll get back to you next week. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you after Arkansas State. This is the Mazodcast. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Asians are tremendous leapers. <laughs>